Welcome to the Columbia Church Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. We're so excited to share this weekend's message with you from Dr. Jim Baucom, our senior pastor. We hope it encourages you, inspires you, and helps you grow in your faith as a whole life disciple. Now, enjoy the message. Advent greetings. So good to be with you today. Always an honor to fill in for Dr. Jim. Before I go any further, just a brief uh, shout out to my Ignition group and a special thanks to Sharon Gewehr for filling in for me today. A few weeks ago when Dr. Jim asked if I would preach today, he suggested that it would be a spend yourself type sermon rooted in gratitude. I, of course, agreed and so here we go. Oh Lord, in my heart I have something to tell. So I'll start from the first when on my knees I fell. I asked for mercy, and that you supplied. Now my sins are forgiven. I have nothing to hide. Just want to tell you, I'm thankful for all that you've done, for the stars and the moonlight and the setting sun. When my life here is through, I'm coming home to be with you. Just want to tell you, I'm thankful. That's all. When I get discouraged, you're there to see me through. Of all the friends that I've known, Lord, there's no one like you. All my needs you'll supply. Sometimes it makes me want to cry, just want to tell you, I'm thankful. That's all. Throughout the year, and especially in this season, I receive lots of emails from various organizations, charities, foundations. Some of those organizations are, in fact, official Columbia Mission Partners, but many are not. Typically, they each begin the email with some expression of gratitude for past support or donations. And I know it's coming. Eventually, the email will get around to asking me or Columbia for additional support. And uh, there's nothing wrong with that. That's the right way to go about asking for support. I always express appreciation, gratitude for uh, past donations and contributions. But you know, sometimes... I rush into the throne room of God and quickly speak my thank yous, only to very soon after that uh, commence launch into a bunch of asks, my gimme list. You ever do that? Oh, yes, Lord, I'm so thankful, I'm so thankful, I'm so thankful. Now, here's my long list of things I want. Kind of reminds me of the character uh, Sally, Charlie Brown's little sister, who in the special, she says... um, dictating a letter to Santa Claus. Charlie Brown's writing it down, and she says, and so Santa, why don't you just make it easy for yourself? Just send money, preferably tens and twenties, which is a lot of money and a lot of audacity for 1965. But you know, God certainly, as our Heavenly Father, desires that we express our thanks to Him, our gratitude, not followed by a long gimme list, but just to say, Lord, thank you for all these things you have done. We just finished a very excellent series when gratitude greats, and you know, probably most of Columbia doesn't realize how blessed we are with the teaching and preaching of Dr. Jim as he feeds us so well. This series not only informed us, but it reformed us and and challenged us. So, when we consider that we are now in Advent, today's the first day, of course, we have uh, lit the candle of hope, 
and the Christmas season is in full swing already because all of America was just so eager to celebrate something good that uh, now we're looking even in, on the cusp of a new year wondering what will the new year bring to us. Hopefully it'll be something good. But with COVID concerns and all of our first world issues in this affluent country, we have to sort of get a better perspective on things and life in this world. So what then shall be our focus? How then shall we live? How shall we face this hour? Well, we know this, that our Lord continually calls us as his whole life disciples to a growing life of humble, joyful gratitude demonstrated in generosity and generous ministry in the name of Christ. And here is my simplified, probably overly simplified definition of Christian ministry, doing something good for someone in Jesus' name. Because if it's in Jesus' name, it represents everything that Jesus stood for. It calls forth his death and resurrection, his ascension, his reign, and his return, the sending of his Holy Spirit. It's always then in Jesus' name, and that means it's a view to eternity. It's more than just giving people things that they really do need in this life, however important that is, but it's giving them the most important thing they need, which is hope in Christ. That is the one commodity that the church has that none other organization, institution in this world has. We have hope in Christ. That is uh, the gospel. And so as we lit the first candle of, of the Advent wreath today, hope, that, that's really what it's about. So we then uh, look at a few scriptures. I'm calling this grateful and compelled because if we're really gra grateful, true gratitude to God for his manifold blessings and will compel us to action. Now, this passage of Scripture we saw repeatedly in the series, When Gratitude Greats. want us to look at the two words there, with thanksgiving. Everybody say it wherever you are, with thanksgiving. That colors everything, doesn't it? Isaiah 58, our spend yourself verse, spend yourselves in behalf of the hungry, and one of my favorites from the Apostle Paul, written to people who really did not like or appreciate him too much, he said, I will gladly spend everything I have and even spend myself for you. What kind of perspective is that? I believe that's the perspective that Christ would have us to, to, to um, exercise with everyone in the church, in the world, even to those in the world who may not appreciate us too much. So, briefly then, being grateful. As we begin a simple review of these uh, gratitude basics, we know that it starts with a, a conscientious, uh, premeditated decision that we will respond to life's difficulties in humble uh, gratitude. And that colors everything. All of our responses to life focus on the answer to one simple question, and that is, is God good? Is God good or what? And if God is good, then we can be grateful. I really like this quote from Dr. Jim. Gratitude, then, is a coping skill that we can employ to accept with grace that which we cannot or should not control. You conscientiously, premeditatedly, consciously make this decision that this is how you're going to respond to your world. It, 
the phrase to accept with grace reminds me a little bit of the popular serenity prayer, which comes from a larger prayer written by the late theologian Reinhold Niebuhr. But the popular version that you and I know is, God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. And in the original prayer, Niebuhr says, give me the grace to have the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. And so there are some things that we cannot or should not control, and so we can simply exercise this conscious response, gratitude. Secondly, it not only originates in a a conscientious attitude, but being grateful has a a specific object. It necessitates thanking somebody in particular, thanking someone, and that is the Lord God. I mean, who are you going to thank? Now, the fool has said in their heart, there is no God. That's found in, in Scripture, in the Psalms and elsewhere. I do sometimes really feel for my agnostic and atheist friends. I, I had a, a, a neighbor uh, years ago, a lovely person, and she was kind, and she told me one Thanksgiving season, I'm just so grateful. She was an agnostic, and I thought, oh, lady, God help you. Who are you going to thank? To whom will you express your, your gratitude? The Scripture says that it's the one living Lord, the sovereign God of the universe, who gave this world to us and everything in it. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Everything that we have comes uh, from God. And so it is the Lord that we thank. God forbid that we should ever think that the things that we have experienced and achieved and enjoy, enjoy are our own creation. However ingenious it may have been, and keeping in mind that some of us had the privilege of a head start over others, still everything we have comes from God. It's by His grace. Otherwise, we might say, we shed our grace on us. I thank me very much. What kind of heresy and blasphemy would that be? The Scripture, Psalm 100, reminds us of the Lord. It is He who has made us and not we ourselves. So, being grateful, it originates in a conscientious attitude. It necessitates a specific object, which is the Lord God Himself. And it involves then some particular subjects, like the old song, Count Your Many Blessings, Name Them One by One. I mean, the simple prayer... Oh, God, thank you for everything everywhere, might be permitted to a child. But really, even children can be very specific. Did you hear them pray this past Thursday at at the table? Now, maybe you were by yourself or just with a small group or maybe a large group, however risky, but chances are you began to name specific things. Listen to the way children pray. They look at the table and they name every food item. Their nighttime prayers, they name every family member and the pets. You and I, and maybe you've been remiss at following Pastor Jim's uh, admonition to make a list of three new things every day. I got to 100 once when I, when I did this over, I guess that was what, 33 days, 33 days worth. But you and I can expand our list of these particular subjects for which we give thanks. There is so much. 
not just our own selves and our families and communities and our state and region and nation and world in that way, but you can think of all of the intangibles, the things that God has given us by His Spirit, by His grace, and the relationships we have, and the church of which we are a part as the body of Christ. Over the last couple of years, I've had the blessing of exchanging emails with the president of World Vision, World Vision U.S., and the president is Edgar Sandoval. He was here at Columbia a few years ago for some meetings with Dr. Jim and some Spin Yourself leaders and others from Virginia Baptist, and at that time, he was the COO of World Vision, and a couple of years ago, he was elected by the board of directors to be president. Richard Stern's great guy, also had been here before, uh, and he had retired, Richard Stearns had retired, and so I wrote an email to uh, Edgar Sandoval just to say when he was elected, hey, it was great to meet you a couple of years ago, and congratulations on being president, you'll be in our prayers, and he wrote back. And last year, on the first anniversary of his being elected president of World Vision, I wrote to him just to say, hey, it's been a year now, God bless you as you serve and lead, thank you so much for what you're doing, and he wrote back. And then this past uh, summer, at the end of summer, we had the uh, Global Leadership Summit, and in that uh, telecast, there was about a five or seven minute uh, video testimonial of uh, Edgar just sharing his story, being a teenager in Venezuela and coming to the U.S. with, what, 50 bucks in his pocket and flipping hamburgers for a couple of years and getting into an Ivy League school and studying and studying and getting into the corporate world and, and all of that, and then the call of God to uh, serve with World Vision, and he and his wife have several children, including uh, a child with special needs and just very inspiring. And so I wrote to him to say, Edgar, uh, Global Leadership Summit, and we, we saw the video and you just inspire us so much. God bless you as you continue to lead. And he wrote back. I thought, this guy is way too busy to write to the likes of me. But he wrote back. And each time he said words repeated like, thank you, Greg. Words like gratitude and thankfulness and grateful. And every time he would sign his email, grateful, Edgar. That is the perspective that you and I are called to as we follow Christ to give thanks to the Lord for these particular things naming them one by one. Now, as we, oh yes, I do want to mention this. Lest we think that here in affluent America, we can give ourselves credit for the things that we have. I was reminded that in 1863, in Lincoln's Thanksgiving proclamation, he reminded the nation that no human counsel and no human device has, can take credit for any of the things that the nation was enjoying. For in the midst of his anger toward us in our sin, Lincoln said, God has remembered mercy, and let's always keep that in mind. It is not we ourselves, but it is the Lord who gets the credit for all these particular things which uh, we enjoy. All right. Being grateful then also demands expression. That is, it includes particular uh, uh, expression, we might say show and tell or tell and show. Now, a person might be grateful and silent, but not for long. Eventually, true gratitude to God will find expression. It may find its way into words and prayers and whispers and shouts. It may find its way into writings and paintings and sculpting and dance. There will be some kind of expression 
to show that we are thankful to God. How are you expressing your gratitude to God? Words are valuable, important, and necessary, and yet it must not stop there. God says, show me. In My Fair Lady, uh, Alan J. Lerner wrote these words um, which were sung by the character portrayed by Audrey Hepburn, um, Eliza Doolittle. And Freddie really likes her, and he's got a lot of words, and finally Eliza has had enough with his words, and she just says as she sings, I'm so sick of words, 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 I'm sick of that, why don't you show me? And unfortunately for Freddie, he falls short in the show me category. Sometimes I get the idea, I get the sense that the Holy Spirit is saying to us, words are good, necessary, important, but why don't you show in some way? In fact, Isaiah 58 and really all of the prophets were getting to, at this very uh, concept to show by our actions and deeds how much we love the Lord and how grateful we are uh, to Him. Here's another one. You may not know this one, but this is Charles Sheldon. He was a pastor in Topeka, Kansas in the late 1800s. He noticed in town that there were a lot of poor folks and nobody was doing much to help them. There was a large community of the families of former slaves with great need. He did some very creative things. He, in fact, for a while he dressed up like a hobo and would go from church to church to see if anybody would help him, like angels unaware, right? He sat on the steps of a church on a Sunday. People walked around him. No one would help him. So following the Spirit's prompting, he decided to put pen to paper, and he wrote a novel to describe what would happen if a church would follow the Spirit's leading to help people. He used a phrase from 1 Peter 2 that the Lord has left us an example that we should follow in his steps. And Charles Shelton wrote this novel and then he shared it on Sunday nights at a gathering of the young adults because that was the place to be with no television or internet. And so they came and, uh, with larger and larger numbers and every Sunday night he would read them the next chapter of his novel. And his novel was about a church that had a pastor that saw needs even inside the church building because I don't want to spoil the whole thing for you, but there's a situation in the opening chapter. You'll see it. And this pastor in the novel, as Sheldon did from his actual pulpit there in the church in Topeka, challenged the people to take action based on their answer to a simple question. Ask yourself, what would Jesus do? And then do it. And his church did. And we are benefiting from it now over 100 years later. And not just because there are these little wristbands and other kinds of posters and home dust catchers with <laughs> WWJD on it. But really, we're benefiting from this legacy as Charles Sheldon reminded God's people, the Lord has called us to follow in his steps. So let's ask ourselves, what would Jesus do? And let's, let's do that. And so his church did. And they ministered to the hungry and the lowly and the oppressed. They even started 
a kindergarten for African-American kids, the first one of its type west of the Mississippi River. How about that? I think in many ways that experience there has a kinship with Columbia from what our church did in the 1860s here. Wow. All of that is to say that God has called us to take action. And so what I want to do next is to talk a little bit about spend yourself because this is Columbia's response to God's call to action to meet the needs of people in our world and to give them hope, ultimately hope in Christ. Sometimes a handout, many other times with a hand up. In 2008, Dr. Jim and my predecessor, Pastor for Missions Ann Thomas, met with lots of lay leaders. And they were asking themselves a couple of questions like, what is it that God wants us all to do as Columbia with all of our congregations of many different languages to do together for the sake of His kingdom in this world? And what can we do that would have an ongoing relationship and lasting impact? And that led us, among other things, to World Vision and Haiti. So I just want to brag a little bit on you, Columbia, and all you people who volunteer to be God's uh, lay ministers in different places near and far. After all, the Lord is work in and through His people. Now, spend yourself comes from Isaiah 58.10. Spend yourself on behalf of the hungry. How about that translation? Race yourself to feed the hungry. <laughs> we followed Acts chapter 1, verse 8, where the Lord said, So, you will receive power and the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. For us, that's the food pantry and gardens here. That's only three miles away. It is Southwest Virginia. It is Haiti. And perhaps in Zambia, I want to address mostly the gardens, food pantry, and Haiti. So here we have the Spin Yourself Gardens. Oh, yes, I do want to thank uh, uh, Bruce Barr for being our uh, Spin Yourself Falls Church leader for the last year and a half, serving above and beyond the call of duty, doing a great job. Neil Eckert will be in that position come January 1. Rachel Eckert, our missions associate, is just tops, and you'll see here on the screen at the end of the service. Jacob Stevens is our Spin Yourself Gardens uh, coordinator and newly engaged to Brittany. I don't know if they're going to get married in the gardens, but anyway, thought I'd show that picture. Here's what the gardens look like now because it's wintertime. And this is what it looked like in the spring and then in the summer as produce was uh, harvested and, and then distributed through the food pantry. And one thing we're hoping to do in the coming year is as COVID allows us to enlist food pantry families who would like to adopt a box, a raised bed or two, and have some incentive to grow things and, and learn on their own, and then they can share as they feel led. So the gardens are doing great things using what God has given to us in this resource at the Crossroads campus. We've got sunshine, we've got dirt, we've got water, we've got volunteers, and praise God, Columbia, you are doing something special. Oh, and do I have permission to brag? Well, the Apostle Paul boasted in the Lord when he wrote to the Corinthians, he told them, hey, the Macedonian churches, thinking of the Philippians and Thessalonians, but the Philippians had done so much because even out of their meager resources and their poverty, their hearts swelled up with generosity to the Lord and they did great things as they gave themselves and gave themselves first to God and then to Paul and his associates. So it's okay for me to brag on you this way, it's biblical. And then how about the food pantry itself? All kinds of things are there. And again, yesterday, 
we thought that yesterday being the Saturday after Thanksgiving share, our numbers would maybe be cut in half because we had over 300 families that came to Thanksgiving share and received the normal uh, three bags of good groceries and that extra bag of T-share items that you provided, though we changed many of the items over the last few years, but everybody still likes the chocolate brownie mix (laughs) that's in there. But we thought, hey, maybe on the uh, Saturday next, the numbers will be in half. No, yesterday still over 200 families and well above last year's Saturday after Thanksgiving share. So we're certainly meeting a need in this, in this COVID season. Thank you for your support of time and funds and food. It used to look like this in the fellowship hall there at Crossroads, and it used to look like this with the kids' table, and it used to look like this, people all together outside under the canopies and enjoying uh, the, the time of fellowship and prayer together and conversations and some evangelism and being able to just have, have a, a proximity, but now it looks like this, and it has to for a while yet. So pray for a food pantry and all that takes place. Thanks to Amy Potoski, who is our operations manager, and all of the volunteers there doing, doing a, a, just a tremendous job, uh, not only on Saturdays, but during the week, taking precautions so that during the week to prepare those bags of food, couples or people from the same household will serve together. That way they're not putting others at risk. Same thing on Saturday mornings. It's a family unit there in the food pantry itself uh, bringing food uh, to the delivery window and then the others can take it to the, um, to the tables and the walkers or the drivers will get it. Here are some, some statistics. The weekly average, again this year, 225 families About 25 pounds of groceries is given to each family on any given Saturday, sometimes a little less, sometimes a little more. Throughout the year, over 1,000 families will come at least once, and some come every month, and some actually come every week. That equals over 300,000 pounds of food given by the end of this year. That's what you're doing. God bless you, Columbia. How about Haiti? Now, Haiti's special to me, not just because I've been there 12 times, but because I didn't want to go there. It's Samaria to me. It's a place you don't really enjoy going, but God has a way. Once you go, the Spirit (laughs) enables you to catch the vision. No wonder World Vision calls these vision trips. You go, you catch the vision, and not only just a vision for what can be done in a place like Haiti, but a vision for the community, the people, the families and all of, of life there. So here we go. Um, you see Columbia there is, is uh, bottom right of that um, big sign there at the tree nursery there in Savan Plot. And we're so grateful to World Vision for being our, our partner there and their field staff as well as uh, central staff in Port-au-Prince just doing a tremendous job. In the, in the tree nursery, they can grow 10 or 15 or 20,000 saplings a year. That's a lot of trees to plant, mostly mango, papaya, citrus, avocado, but also a couple of trees good for uh, constructing uh, homes and, and furniture. And so in the process of community development, we learned about the five-finger approach. It's water, sanitation, hygiene, food, which is agricultural projects, uh, products, more food and better food or crops and animals, economic advancement, uh, enhancement like, uh, like the sugar mill, medical attention, educational um, advancement, and if I could say one more, Jesus. So that's what takes place. Let me just tell you a little bit about this. 
Columbia's approach, whether it is the food pantry and gardens or Haiti or any other place, is FTJ. It, it's focused. We're not one inch deep and a mile wide, but we're focused. It's doing something not just quick, but doing it right. It is transformational. That is outcome-based input. We want to see the results to see what actually happens. We want to help and not hurt. And then, of course, it is just, it is giving our best for the good of the other people. I've noticed this, too, with World Vision. And if you have read the little book, When Helping Hurts, or Helping Without Hurting is a better phrase, I think, I notice that World Vision effectively does this. ABCD, Asset-Based Community Development. And so the leaders of World Vision, the staff, will, will go to a community and they'll say, hey, we see some needs here. Could we talk to your leaders? And if they have leaders, they'll meet with them. If they don't have the leaders, they'll say, well, we'll help you with some organizing, but you'll choose your own leaders. So they work through the process and then they meet with the leaders. And rather than saying, well, we're from a big international NGO, or we're from America, we know how to fix you, or we know what's best for you. No, they'll take this approach. Tell us about your community. What are your assets? What you got going for you? Well, after my first visit to Haiti, I knew two things they had, sunshine and dirt and rocks. They can make use of those, but they also had other assets, like a strong work ethic and community values of faith and cooperation and desire for education for their children and really lifelong learning. So asset-based community development, I believe we're going to see that kind of thing here in Northern Virginia and in the Bailey's Crossroads area as well. So a few things then about OCODEM, which is the area program. It's it's an acronym for the Organization for the Development of the Community of Marmont, which is their little district there. Over the time that we have had a partner there in, uh, in Okodem, specifically the Savant Plot uh, community with its five boroughs, <laughs> which is uh, Terre-Soleil, Delan, Duwoche, Petitou, and Lamisette, uh, we have funded uh, a 10-acre lake for irrigation and fishing, we provided scores of goats, that should be plural, and chickens, 10 oxen, five plows, hundreds of tools. And by the way, this is self-sustaining because every time a farmer uses a set of oxen, he pays a few nickels into the community coffers. And if an animal gets sick or dies, they have funds then to replace it. As one old farmer told the rest of the community a few years ago, hey, everybody, we have to do this ourselves now because Colombian World Vision aren't giving us any more oxen. And the community responded to that wisdom. The tree nursery I mentioned, new drinking water wells, five new wells in Savant Plot, two now in La Begue, and more about that in a minute. More than 100 new latrines, and actually it might be 200. I never could get the final figure on that. And not one but two sugar mills, and you've seen photos of those. Here we go. This is the way they used to get water in Savant Plot. A spring, a hole in the ground, and the line would be 40 people long and it would take two hours to wait in line to get water or like this from a non-sanitary place to get water. But the kids, especially the girls, are assigned to do that. But now they get water like this. And that's not graffiti. They spray painted on there the hours of operation, like 6 to 9 in the morning and 12 to 6 in the afternoon. That's when you can come and get water. And they have water teams, committees, 
and they oversee this, and the people are very grateful to walk a little distance, like a 15-minute walk one way to get clean water, rather than walk 30 minutes one way to get dirty water. It also looks like this. This is La Begue. This is their new water point, which is uh, a purification place as they've tapped into a spring and there can be uh, clean water for the community. This is what you have done with your Spin Yourself donations. Latrines, of course, because it's all about sanitation and hygiene and teaching, especially children. The lake, well, yeah, that really me there in a, that little, <laughs> little speck back in 2011 on my first trip, and six weeks later, the lake was half full, and then it became all full, and providing uh, water for irrigation, water for the animals, and, and fish, of course. I took that photo. Pretty good. What you didn't see is that the bottom of the net got wrapped around his leg, and it pulled him into the water. But there are experts there, and sometimes the kids participate, and something else happens at the lake as well. This man doing the baptizing is our brother in Christ, Deacon Briant, Andre Briant. He passed on to glory two years ago. He's the one that owned all that land where the lake is. He gave the land to the community for the lake. He's a deacon in a little Baptist church. And one year when Janet and I were there, they had a baptism service as several churches came together. And there he is baptizing. What a thrill that was for him. Yes, I boast in the Lord of Columbia, and I also boast of Savant Plot and World Vision. One of the sugar mills, this raised like a rising tide floats all ships, this, this raised the, the economic environment because now the farmers can produce sugar cane without having one-third of it spoil on the ground waiting to be processed. Pastor Jim and I were there to see both of these um, sugar mills in 2017, 2018. That's the last time we were there. And the farmers would just say, this is what good is, is being done uh, for the community now because they can produce sugar, not this way with an oxen going round and round, but this way. And what used to take six hours now takes only 30 minutes. All of the sugar cane is processed. We've essentially raised their profits by, by that uh, 30% or more. And that's raw sugar called Rapidu, and they take that to market, and the women are in charge of that, and they sell that for $5, and then they can pay uh, for clothes and shoes and the school fees. And so um, this means that houses don't look like this, but now they look like this. That's what you're doing, and that's what they're doing for their hard work. The school, the kids, this is what you're doing. This is how we show, how we demonstrate that we love the Lord and are grateful for what God has, has done. I must also give a shout out to um, all of those who are participating in child sponsorship. Over 150 kids are sponsored by Colombians and others. Some of you know this girl in the middle, her name is Kedley, and she's sponsored by the Beyond Club here of Columbia. Had the honor of meeting her, and that's her uncle next to her. The fellowship is just really special. We've got times of, of worship together. I, I miss it so much. This was a couple of years ago when we had a team of women going with us and ministering to the women there in, um, in Savant Plot. And there I am with some of my buddies. They make me feel young. That's Wisnell. I've seen him since he was eight years old. Now he's 18, becoming a fine Christian man. And 
Oh, how did that get in there? You never know who might be an honorary member of the Spin Yourself Haiti team. Pastor Jim with one of the uh, pastors there, that's Pastor Edlin. His father was the pastor. He's incapacitated now. He suffered a stroke. So Edlin's the pastor, and he's also a farmer, and his brother takes care of the lake and the tree nursery. That plaque there, uh, these are pastors of the five churches there in the Savant Plot area, and they gave that to Janet and me some years ago, and that plaque hangs by the information desk. You can see it. Wow. Is God good or what? God is up to some great things. When I got to visit La Begue for a few hours two years ago, they told us of their plight, and some of those dirty water pictures come from La Begue. And this man sitting there in the, white, this, in the white shirt, this young man was the spokesman. His name is Wilner. And he concluded his little speech, his appeal, by saying simply, we just want to live at, as human beings. We just want to live as human beings. It got real quiet. And I knew God was going to lead Columbia to partner with them. But it was a little premature. We hadn't made that decision officially. So I just said, somebody had to say something, right? So I said, my brothers and sisters, I know there is a God who loves you, who sees, who cares. He has not forgotten you. And I believe God is going to bring some resources to help LaBeg. And they applauded. And now we are helping them. And I can hardly wait to go and take a team with us. Maybe next year we'll see how God leads. It might be in Zambia. We have, upon our request, received a proposal from World Vision Zambia. That's in the southern part of Africa, Zambia there. And it's in the southern um, province and a place called Muchilla. It's 250 miles west of the capital of Lusaka. We'll see how God leads. Our own John Hassey is national director for World Vision Zambia. And they've sent us a proposal very similar to the one that we uh, received 10 years ago from Haiti. It's about, it always starts with clean water and let's do food and let's promote economic uh, enhancement and and all of those things. So be in prayer because God is at work and we can give him thanks for so many things, not only through Spend Yourself, but in our, in our daily lives. And we know this, as I'll, with this I'll close, from Paul's a letter to the Colossians. It's an imperative, folks. Be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to, the, to God. How? With gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. It's always in the name of the Lord Jesus. How? Giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Yes, true gratitude to our God for His manifold blessings will compel us to action, and we will show it. Oh, Lord, in my hand, I have something to give. For I am so blessed, in abundance I live. You gave me these things for with others to share. You said, spend yourself, and you'll show that your care. Just want to thank you for all you have done. For your grace in Christ Jesus, your very own Son, you poured out your Spirit. My life has such peace How then can my praise and my thanks ever cease? When I see the hungry, hear the cries of the poor, 
That's when your voice prompts me to give and give more. All I have comes from you. Oh, Lord, please show me what to do, and I'll show that I'm thankful. I'm thankful. That's all. Pray with me. Oh, Father God, we are grateful that we call you Heavenly Father, though you are the sovereign king of the universe. We're grateful for your wisdom and power and for your love. And so, Lord, may we as Christians, as Colombians, truly express our gratitude to you in word and deed and use what we do as we are compelled to action. Use what we give for the salvation of souls, for the transformation of lives, for the reformation of society, for the common good of your world, for the advancement of your kingdom, for the glory of your name. This we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Now, you go ignite passion for Jesus Christ from Metro Washington to the world. Dr. Jim will be back with us next week. Have a blessed Advent. We'll see you soon. Hey, thanks again for listening. If you live in the Metro D.C. or Northern Virginia area, we would love to worship with you at one of our weekend gatherings. For directions, service times, and information about all the incredible things happening at Columbia, go to columbiabaptist.org. That's columbiabaptist.org.